And Anthony Richardson's got that great, rich, deep voice. Right. Just awesome. Like, I wish I talked like that. It is just smooth and deep and mellifluous. Did you say mellifluous? Simsisms. Mellifluous. Come on. It's mellifluous. It's okay. a real word. Okay. Trust me, I can even spell mellifluous if I have to. Okay. But I won't. Has it got two L's or one? I thought it had two L's. <laughs> two L's. It does have two L's. <laughs> I knew how to spell it. Mellifluous. M E L L I F L U O U S. Mellifluous. Yeah, that was a new one. Chris's vocabulary. Thank you. Been hanging around Peter King too much. Peter King comes to the table every Friday with these. SAT words. Oh, so, I know. And now you uh, think you're Johnny Writer of the book and, you know, father of mine and this and that. So now you're trying to be Johnny. I'm going to find big, smart words to put out there. Jeez. <laughs> I sent you the ebook. I assume you haven't read it. If I would send you right. the actual paperback version of it, hard copy, mm-hmm. if I would send it to you during our break, would you read it? I would definitely look at it. I'm not sure if I'm definitely going to read it all, but I think the the. Do you mean look at it like you'd hold no, it? Up I, and I would give it. A, it? I would give it. A, I would give it a, a try. I'm not going to say I can sit. There, I can definitely tell you that I'm going to sit there and read the whole thing. But if I had, I think a hard copy, I'd look at it a little bit. I'm going to go sit by the pool. Let me check out. The old geezer's book here, Florio, and see what it's all about. You, you know, know? yourself. <laughs> Listen. Uh. Um, I'll, uh, I'll send you one. I'll send you one. I got a new shipment coming this week. All right. And, and, and all I want you to do is try it. I, the worst feeling that you can ever have reading a book, I think, is just like you're trapped and you have to keep going. I was thinking that last night. I'm, I'm working my way through JFK and the unspeakable. And you feel trapped? And, and I remember – no, 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 not yet, not quite. But I just remember thinking like it reminded me of when I was a freshman in college, there was some political science – type course I was taking and it was on the Cuban Missile Crisis and I had this book about the Cuban Missile Crisis and I just remember it was a slog to get through it because I was 18 and I was impatient and I didn't care about that shit and and it just it's kind of like now what's just weird I enjoy this and this is informative and I'm reading it and like you know I remember like oh I got 20 more pages to read it's like it's never gonna end my point is this my point is this I hate that feeling I hate that feeling so just start it just start it and if it holds your interest, keep going. It's on me to hold your interest. Okay. Right? Yeah. The idea is to give you an enjoyable experience, not right. something that causes you to say, why the hell am I reading this? Yeah, so if you I read it you. and it holds your interest, keep reading it. If not, just throw it away. Feed it to the horses. I don't care. All right. Let the chickens peck it into pieces. <laughs> okay. Let the fox carry it away yes. in lieu of another one of your chickens. <laughs> I'll send you one. All right. I get them cheap. I get to make cost. Yeah, 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 you right. do. Yeah, you got You know uh, some people there to get a deal. All right, that's good. And I'm glad you're making yeah. some uh, some some headway the in truck. the JFK book, right? You know, that's good. I've seen a lot of stuff about it ever since RFK made his comment, right? The CIA too. They're still sticking to their guns. It is a lie. All this stuff, and they got it on their website. The CIA, Mike. This is the funniest thing about it. You know, they don't they don't want us to believe any of this stuff that's documented and what you're reading and all that. But they're still trying to sell us the story of the magic bullet and that. That's where I went. Well, CIA, you got to give us something else to believe in that's not fairy tale land, and then maybe we would believe in it. But like a guy that pulled off the greatest shooting thing ever, and nobody's able to do it, and then the bullet that went through somebody took a right turn, went through somebody else, took a left turn, and then put it in park and reverse and came back out and went another way. That's what 
what they want us to buy. Am I a stupid idiot? No, I'm not CIA. So there's obviously something you're hiding there. And again, if I'm not alive, I think one of the most important things. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, One of the most important things about the book, I think it speaks to the level of care, the level of thought, the level of strategy that went into post-World War II thinking. Now, the problem is there was tension between the military-industrial yeah. complex and people like JFK. Exactly, And right? there really were forces within the government that were careening toward a preemptive strike that would have obliterated Russia and presumably not affected the United States at all. It was just ridiculous thinking, and JFK yeah. pushed back against that right. and pushed back against that and won, and then they killed him. Yeah. So it really is fascinating. Um, the, just all the machinations of the— the Cuban Missile Crisis and the communications between Kennedy and Khrushchev. And it just makes you wonder, are there people paying that kind of careful attention today? Because the weapons are still there. We could still all be gone in the the blink of an eye. And hopefully that there are people who are smart, who who are concerned for the future of the planet and the species. And it is just isn't reckless, drunken bravado. And uh, that's yeah. why it's important to do your research and to support candidates based upon principle and policy and not personality. OK, here we go. Uh, what we need to know as we get into the OTAs, 19, actually 20 teams, 10 tomorrow. Um, young quarterback in the better situation. Let's focus on two of them. Not rookies, not rookies. We've talked a lot about the rookies. These are young guys that we are hoping will take the next step. Justin Fields. In Chicago, who's entering year three, and he's been the starter most of the time. Jordan Love, same division. Packers entering year four, his first opportunity to be the guy. Who's in the better situation? I mean, neither one is in a tough situation here. I mean, like a horrible situation. I don't want to say a tough, right? They're both they're both in tough situations. But as far as just talent around them, you know, neither one should feel like, okay, I got to be the guy that's got to carry the squad. You know, Justin Fields probably felt like that a little bit last year, but I think they've done enough here in free agency and, again, another year in the system and building around what they did in Justin Fields last year to where he's going to be able to rely on some other factors this year and some other guys to make some plays. It won't always have to be him breaking a 60-yard run or some amazing run or scramble to get it done, right? So, you know, I think when it's – this is a tough one, you know, I guess I want to say that I feel like Jordan Love is in the better situation, right? There's still some unknowns about Justin Fields and what this is going to look like and how much progress he's going to make in the passing game and all that. I know how awesome he is. The fantasy world of Matthew Berry, I know they're going to kiss his butt all offseason. He's going to be one of the top fantasy guys. But we got to see. I mean, this is a guy that's, you know, of course, got a win-loss record that's not that great. And it, there is stuff to be be had still in the passing game and development there. And then with you know Jordan Love, there, there's at least a culture of winning there, and at a team that's been good and a defense that's good, and they can run the ball. And we know they got two young receivers, so I guess I give Jordan Love a little bit of the edge on support just because of what has been laid down in Green Bay, rather than in Chicago. They're trying to lay it down right now. It's a tough call because we've seen what Fields can do. Yes, And he right? is the best running quarterback in the NFL yes. right now. But you can't be one-dimensional and win, as you pointed out. Hey, look, they, they weren't good last year. Right. They earned the first overall pick in the draft. They were the worst team win-loss 
in the NFL. Yeah, it was exciting. With Jordan Love, we haven't seen much right, of him. Right. But hey, well, you know, what, what have we been talking about? Uh, what did we talk about last segment? Defensive coach with a young quarterback. Matt Eberflus with Justin Fields versus Matt LaFleur with Jordan Love. Matt LaFleur, who won 13 games three straight seasons despite running interference between the Aaron Rodgers front office dysfunction in Green Bay. I really do think that that Matt LaFleur can coach the way he wants to coach this year. So even though Justin Fields may be the more established player and the guy who has been better in many respects, in large part because we've seen him, there's still more questions about him, I think about so. his game. I think so. Let's say as many questions about his game as there are about Jordan Love's game. Right, right. Uh, because, you know, with Fields... It's yeah, and you, this is that's why this year is important. You don't want to have that narrative that you're a one-dimensional guy, and you need to have the downfield threat. And they've got the receivers to help him out, but now you just have to do it. This is on Luke Getzey. This is when when the head coach isn't the offensive guy, it falls to the coordinator. Luke yeah. Getzey's the one that's got to get the most out of Justin Fields, design the offense to get the most out of him. With Matt Lafleur, the offense is already designed. Exactly. They picked a guy that they thought would fit the offense. Right. That's why they t- drafted Jordan Love. Right. He's not just the succession to Aaron Rodgers. He's a guy they picked because he fits what they're trying to do. It's seamless. And and I do think I do think the Packers are in better position. I think the Packers are being overrated, underrated, underrated. excuse me, and yeah. overlooked. Right. And and will be better than people realize. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. They're, they're one of those teams like we talked about. It gets the emotional bump from, wait, we don't have to talk about all this other bullshit that goes on, right? I mean, that's really what it is. Uh, and we can just play football and all come together and be teammates and friends and, you know, not have to worry about anything other than that. So that's where I look at it to go. Packers have an advantage as well, let alone Leia. Like you said, you said it, right? You know, this is a team that's established and it's it's been good. And there's still a lot of pieces there that are good. Chicago, we go, ooh, I like what they're doing. This could be good. But we got to see some things here. We got to. You know, the way Justin Fields plays, too, it, it's got to change to a degree, too. It's just not it, – it's not – fair or or realistic to think that he can play the way he did last year running around taking the hits he's got that's where he's got to get better at the passing game too so he doesn't have to rely on oh my gosh I have to make this play happen I have to break seven tackles and I'm going to get crushed in the head but I'm going to put my hand on the ground and try to stay up and then get crushed again almost like we used to talk about last play of the fourth quarter in a big game type of thing too much of that goes on with him right now so now we got to get into wait we got to win some games and we got to win some games with you know some of the versatility of our offense and we need to see progress and decision making and variety and consistency at the rows. And I think that's what, you know, is the next piece of the puzzle here for for Justin Fields as we go. And that's probably why I got a few more questions than him and than Jordan Love. He does have DJ Moore arrived via the trade. Yeah. Allowed the Panthers to come up to number one. Chase Claypool, guy they gave up, ultimately picked number thirty two in the draft to get. Yep. Didn't see much from him last year, but I always thought that was a move for the future, not for the present. A guy that they want to try to to properly build into that offense. They've got Darnell Mooney, who has vowed to, to step it up this year. But, of course, offseason is the time of year where everybody has big aspirations. Everyone's in the best shape of their life. They picked up Deontay Foreman, a running back I love. Yeah. David Montgomery's out. Deontay Foreman's in. Didn't they draft the guy, the the, the one of your top guys? Yeah, Joe Roshan Johnson uh, from Texas, and the, they got yeah, him in the were, fourth they round. They were stunned he was there. Couldn't believe they were it. stunned he was there yeah. in round four. Right. So they got some stuff going there. You know, O-line's going to be better, definitely. Big money and free agency on the defensive side of the ball. 
So hopefully they can they can make those adjustments. And yeah, I would think that Luke Getzey has been in the lab with those type of weapons they got a receiver that they're going to have a a cool look to their offense. Certainly, but yeah, this is a big year for Justin Fields. There's a lot of people, like we said during this process, a little Mike, a lot of people in football, people I trust that think if Bryce Young was six two, that the Bears would have traded Justin Fields and taken Bryce Young with the number one pick, right? So I think that says a lot. You know, and I know that's a lot of hearsay and whatever else, but these are some people that know people, and I trust that they have those thoughts. That's why I'm throwing it out there. So we'll see. You know, we will see. But, yeah, the biggest thing is is the throwing, the throwing, and can they consistently do that? There's going to be teams that the Chicago Bears play and Justin Fields play where I know how sick and awesome he is of a runner, but they're going to be good enough on defense to go, you're not running on us. You can't do it here. Just like we've seen Lamar Jackson in his prime, he's run into those games too, or Michael Vick. It doesn't matter. You're going to play a handful of defenses that got the right front seven. I don't care who you are to contain you. Now what else? What's your other answer? And hopefully he has some more answers this year. Uh, On the flip side, some quarterbacks who have been around a while and who are getting toward their final opportunities in their current cities and for one of them it's his first opportunity but it may not last long Jimmy Garoppolo with Las Vegas Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee Kirk Cousins in Minnesota which of those guys is in the best situation to specifically do well enough this year that they extend the stay into 2024 yeah right I mean that's 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 a tough one there like I feel like Tannehill probably has the least support around him right now but even with that I'm like I don't look at it as bad. I just think they're going to run the ball and play defense and he'll be efficient and, you know, hopefully Traylon Burke can make a next step for them to be a, you know, a real threat at the wide receiver position. You know, so I'm going to say I'm going to cancel Tannehill out because I think he's kind of in the the tougher, most tough position out of all of them, really, when you just talk about that. And then it goes to Kirk Cousins and Garoppolo. Wow. I'm probably going to say Garoppolo here. I just was the talent around him. I mean, hey, it's the number one running back in the game right now. They got a good O-line. You know, it's good. It's not great. It's McDaniels, and we know how special he is. You got Devontae Adams, and damn, some good receivers to go along with it, along with your favorite tight end in the draft in Michael Mayer, right? So I'll give give Garoppolo the advantage, but it's not by much. Cousins is in a pretty good situation with your Vikings, too. No, I, I think it's Cousins. You do? I really do. When yeah. you consider Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison, TJ Hawkinson, KJ Osborne, whatever they do at running back, I'm not worried about running back. Yeah, and maybe they you. aren't either because they're just going to throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball. Apparently. They're working on Cousins' mobility. They've got an offensive line. The defense can't be any worse. I think Cousins in great shape. This Garoppolo thing, you know, I, I, I pondered this over the weekend when it was kind of slow and I was looking for stuff to write. And I thought about Devontae Adams' contract because I saw that somebody had written there's no way they'll trade him, even if he wants out. The thing that people overlook is the post-June 1 wrinkle. And I can't help but wonder whether or not they at least ponder either this year or next year trading Devontae Adams after June 1. They could trade him after June 1 this year, and the dead cap charge would be $7.8 million this year. Now they would have 20 four million or thereabouts next year but you can plan for that accordingly if he doesn't want to be there if he's got an issue with their decision to entrust Jimmy Garoppolo to be the quarterback that just that just creates extra crap on the way in 
And Jimmy Garoppolo has been through crap the past few years, and now he's got this on top of it. He finally has a new opportunity where they're saying you're the guy, and his top receiver is saying stuff that when you read between the lines and tie it all together, he probably isn't all that happy that that's who his quarterback's going to be. I, I just think that just, that the, you know, we're talking about the places where the drama is gone. This is a place where the drama has arrived via those comments that Devontae Adams made to the ringer that we talked about last week. That that makes it harder for the team to have a successful competitive season, especially when you consider what division they're in. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree. I don't know why Devontae Adams said that. I don't know what the good in it was. That's the one thing I'll question. I don't really understand what you're trying to accomplish there other than – you were trying to let everybody know that you, what, have a say with the front office and you, you actually do get to talk to them a little bit. Uh, that's where but I they was, didn't listen to I, you. I know he's got he's got a voice and they ignored it. Well, OK, you know, it's not always that easy too, right. I mean, it, it, just because he has a voice and says, I want Aaron Rodgers to be the quarterback doesn't mean like they can go, oh, OK, we'll make that happen. Right. I don't know what else he wanted to happen or what was the other option out there that he looked at that was so much better than Jimmy Garoppolo other than Aaron Rodgers. I mean, really, that that was that was it, right? I, I mean, I, I, I'm that's where I'm a little surprised by it, but I don't think it's going to make this group blink out there. At least me knowing that group out there, Mike. You know, I, I, one, I, I think, hey, they're believers in Devonte Adams. I haven't heard anything but positives ever since he got there. They build the offense around him. They just got rid of one of the favorite guys in the organization because he didn't give the ball enough to this damn guy, and he missed too many opportunities in clutch situations. To, to get him the ball. So that's where I'd be shocked, Mike. I, I think McDaniel has framed a little bit his new tenure here around Devontae Adams. Uh, they've given him some power, obviously. I don't know why Devontae Adams had to, had to say that because, like you said, it did no good for the team or Jimmy Garoppolo or the chemistry or anything like that. The comments were jarring. They were more candid than what we see anyone say when they're in a situation where they may not be happy. We talked about it at length last week. You can find the stories at PFT. And then the cleanup on aisle five was the photo of Devontae Adams with GM Dave Ziegler with the words, the man superimposed in the front of it. And that caused somebody a little smarter than me because I didn't think of it to say maybe that was just his way of saying Dave Ziegler's not the problem in Las Vegas. I didn't he's take man, it like that. Maybe there are others. I took it more as oh, like well, I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah. Maybe he's got an issue with the coach, not the GM. Uh, maybe uh, you know, maybe I I kind of took it more at like no, he questioned that guy in the article, and now he's showing a picture like, hey, we're friends. I like this guy. I respect it. That's the way I looked at it. I you know, again, I don't know. You could you could certainly take it your way too, but that's when I first saw that I went, no, he's trying to show everybody. Hey, wait, I like this guy. We're friends. Yes, I did say that, but we're still all good. Uh, that's more of what I was taking away from it. Um, but, you know, I don't know. Maybe there was something more cryptic to it than I than I. Here, here's the key. Here's the key, though. We've seen guys say things over the years on a regular basis. It yeah. happens. Usually it's in that GQ article, that lengthy 10,000 word GQ. Going to hang out with you all day and wait stuff. till you say something. And, you and then the guy, and then the guy says, yeah. And the guy <laughs> says, the guy says, wait, wait, that was off the record. Or you're taking me out of context or whatever. There was no effort by Devonte Adams to try to put the toothpaste back in the tube. None whatsoever. He never said once. I didn't say what I said. And I respect him for that. I do too. He owned his word. Yeah. 
but but again, to get back to the question we're answering, I think it makes it harder for Jimmy Garoppolo to have a big year because we know personality wise, the whole thing where he doesn't like to answer his phone and he doesn't like to yeah, respond to you. text messages. Right. Like, if he wants to make this work, he's really got to strike up a relationship with Devontae Adams, a real meaningful two way relationship. And it sounds like maybe he's not wired to do that, which just makes it harder for him to. To be as successful as he can be in Las Vegas. Yeah, I, I hear you. So what you're telling me at the end of the day is, hey, you like it a Kirk Cousins here. Is that true? You love him today. You love him very much. Uh, <laughs> I hear it was very well, close. Let's just say very close. And, and Cousins. If you're going to give me, if you're going to give me three bad options, <laughs> I got to pick one of them, and that's the one I pick. Yeah. No. And, and I think you know when you talk about being on stable ground maybe more you're probably right that Kirk Cousins is maybe on more of a stable ground there with Minnesota and I think has a little more power in his situation where yeah Garoppolo I think is gonna have to do something good this year like you know and open up some eyes to keep his job but I I, I guess I was going in you know support the players around him that's where I kind of went with Garoppolo but when you bring up the other stuff you're, you're right that certainly makes it maybe sway a little more Kirk Cousins way all right, we're going to take a break. All four AFC East teams have quarterbacks as the focal point. Who are the most important non-quarterbacks in the division? That's our Monday draft. We're going to do it next here on PFT Live. Happy 27th birthday, Josh Allen. Oh boy, boo! Buffalo Bills posted this. Well, there he goes hurtling over somebody. Look, five years in the NFL, the group of great young quarterbacks is getting older before our eyes. They're all pushing 30 now. Three years to 30 for Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes is 27. Joe Burrow is going to be 27 later this year. Yeah, it's amazing. And the clock is ticking on the Buffalo Bills. 20. That's the take I had yesterday. Yeah. Josh Allen is doing everything in his power to take this team back to a Super Bowl for the first time in 30 years and win one for the first time ever. They have to put the help around him. Definitely. What are they doing around him? And I don't know if you saw this, Chris. We didn't talk about it last week. Isaiah McKenzie, the former Bills receiver who's now with the Colts, he told our friend Tyler Dunn of GoLongTD.com that if they had played that game against the Bengals in the postseason in a dome, the game the Bengals won 27-10, would have been a totally different game because of the pass routes the Bengals ran in the snow versus the pass routes the Bills ran. And, you know, it's a catchy headline because the Bills aren't playing in a dome and they never will play in a dome, but it's an indictment of the coaching staff. Why did you not adjust to the conditions? Why did you not dial up revisions to the game plan to factor in the the overall weather conditions? It. It, it is jarring, and I know that some folks in Buffalo are getting a little nervous about this, and maybe they should be, because when you have a talent like Josh Allen and you can't bust through to the Super Bowl while Joe Burrow's getting there, Patrick Mahomes is there three times, they're going to start asking questions like, do we need other people to be the ones responsible for taking care of everything around Josh Allen? Yeah, uh, that that's what happened. Well, when you got you know, Josh Allen is... He is one of the most physically gifted, great quarterbacks in the history of football. I mean, this is a special player we're watching. So when you have that type of player, yeah, it, it, the spotlight's on you. You know, like it was with Elway in the mid-'80s, right? It's, oh, damn, it, well, we know it ain't Elway. 
So what is it? It ain't Elway because nobody can do this on the planet and nobody ever has. So, you know, he's there in a category where we go, wait, we see him do things on Sunday where the guy in red wearing one five, the guy in green wearing one two back in his prime. Like there's only a few people in the history of the sport that can do it. So that's where, yeah, they need to step it up. And I don't know if I buy all that dome stuff, Mike. Come on. The Bengals whooped the crap out of them that day. I don't give a damn if they played that in Mars, the parking lot, wherever. It didn't look like the Bills were going to win that one really from the get-go. But I, I hear your point. You know, Maybe there could have been some adjustments, but the Bengals clearly looked like the better team on the field that day. Gets back to the whole defensive head coach. Whether it's developing a young quarterback or getting the most out of a franchise quarterback, there's something to be said for having an offensive coach joined at the hip with that franchise quarterback for years and years and years. And look how it's working in Kansas City. Look how it's working in Cincinnati. And it's just not working big picture in Buffalo. Okay, so we're going to focus on the AFC East. And it's a slight adjustment to the drafts we've been doing. We've been doing the best players who aren't quarterbacks in various divisions. Today, it's the most important non-quarterbacks, which can include anyone, coaches, GMs in theory, owners in theory, whoever, the most important non-quarterbacks in the AFC East, where we spend so much time talking about Josh Allen, Tua Tagovailoa, Aaron Rodgers now, and Michael McCorkle-Jones. So I'll give you the first pick. Most important non-quarterback in the AFC East. Well, uh... I mean, I know there's some coaches here that could be in this conversation. I'm going to stay to the field, though, right now, and, and it's Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill's the one guy I look at to go, you take that guy off that team, and that changes everything. They don't look the same. Their offense isn't as fun. It's not as creative. It's not as dangerous. Tua doesn't look the same without him. He opens up everything. It's, it's the constant worry about where and what do we do with the fastest human we've seen in football, not named Deion Sanders, and how do we cover him and deal with all the way Mike McDaniel's got him flying around and doing all that. He's a game changer. You know, and that's where you know, I, I will go with him. I, I think like, his ability to change a game and change that offense and team is up there with anybody in the sport right now. Yeah, look, I agree with you completely. He is more important to that offense than Tua Tagovailoa. Tua is distributing the ball. Tyree Kill is doing incredible things with it still and also creating opportunities for others because everybody is still focused on yeah. where is Tyree Kill? How do we account for Tyree Kill? And, oh, there went Jalen Water. Oh, there went Raheem Mostert. Oh, there went this guy. There went that guy. Right, right. That's the kind of impact that he has. Exactly. I I'm going to go Stephon Diggs. And, and look, th this yeah. is drama day. I'm trying to stir up drama. Apparently. At the same time, I lament the fact. Well, well, I mean, I hey, look, I'm I'm in a I'm in the business of covering the NFL, and the NFL is far more interesting for people to follow when there's drama. Stephon Diggs kind of lit the fuse against the Bengals. Some of the stuff that that we saw, the gestures on the field, he was standing there in the face of Josh Allen expressing himself in a way that suggested he was not content with the situation. So, week one, Monday Night Football, there they are. Camera's back on. You know they're going to have a – hey, ESPN producer, pro tip, have a camera on Stephon Diggs the entire night because we, we saw it in Minnesota when things go sideways. And I know he's a competitor, and we love him. We love him. But he's not bashful about making it known when he's not happy. And I just wonder how how much belief does he have in where things are going, right? 
Does he think the, th- the same things you and I think? Like, where's all the help around? It's it's me and Josh. Where's everybody else? Yeah. What's going on here? Yeah. What's going on there? Why weren't we ready to play in the snow? What's happening with this team? Why can't we get – I came here to get over the hump. I, I, I signed up with one of the great young quarterbacks in the NFL thinking it's going to get me over the hump. Why can't we get over the hump? I just wonder how how on – the same page with everyone else he is he's just an important figure he's a critical figure for that buffalo bills because which way he goes is going to say a lot about which way the team goes and which way the team goes early is going to have an influence on which way he goes psychologically and do we see agitation to get out does it happen after the season does it happen during the season i just think he he looms over the bills this year given the way it ended in 2022 yeah no i think you said a lot of right things you know his attitude his energy will have an effect on that football team where he's at mentally that way and then of course yeah what he does in the football field he's special i mean yeah you're, you're right i mean you kind of said it and that's part probably part of his frustration we look at it and go you know is there a star quarterback that has more of a wait this is just this is my one difference maker i can throw to type of guy than than these two it's special. That's where I hope he doesn't lose sight of the, 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 the situation to go, hey, you know, it ain't easy getting over the hump, right? It's not easy. You're, at, you're right around the hump, so there's something to be said about that too, and you're part of an awesome quarterback-wide receiver combination that's as good as we've seen in the sport the last few years. So I hope that's where he can stay positive. But, you know, I, I think you say some things that are right about his frustration, and that's why they drafted Dalton Kincaid in the first round because they realized they got to have other guys. It can't be just, whoa, if we double-team Stephon Diggs, maybe somebody else will show up today, right? They, they got to start to have, no, 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 you double Stephon Diggs, you're screwed, we're going to kill you with these guys. And that's where Josh Allen and Diggs have not had that necessarily uh, in that offense. So I'm, I'm with you, Mayor Mike. That's a good pick. I'm going to go with Billy O'Brien, my next pick. You know, we co- it's opened up the coaches here. I'm going there. Uh, his success, what he does, how he gels with Mac Jones, I think is going to be paramount to how sneaky or annoying the Patriots will be in the AFC or AFC East. So that's where I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. I think we know that defense is still going to be good. It's a good defense. They can run the ball. I think it's a good O-line. Their pass game, will they advance past first grade this year? Because that's where they were last year. And that's where I'm excited for Billy O'Brien and the Patriots could be one of those teams that could be secretly a pain in the butt if that works out right. So it was like crayons and safety scissors last year for <laughs> right. Mac Jones. Paste here, color red in the lines, please. Exactly. That's what it was last year. I hated those damn safety scissors because I was left-handed and they make all everything in the I'm all righty. world right. is geared toward right-handed. Exactly, right. And and then when I finally got a pair of left-handed scissors, I didn't know what the hell to do with them because I had taught You're myself so how to, to use right. right-handed Yeah, scissors. I cut it with right hand, too. You're right. I'm the same, same problem. I can remember going, why doesn't scissors, why can't I cut paper with scissors? And, like, remember, I remember going through that struggle, like, as a young kid, and then somebody telling me, no, these are supposed to be on your right hand. And I was like, oh, man, that's a lot easier. I remember there was somebody in my first grade class who was left-handed, and the teacher – forced her to go right-handed. Wow. My mom caught wind of it. My right. mom caught wind of it. Uh-oh. And she made sure, Uh-oh. she made sure <laughs> that they d- do not mess. He's left-handed, yeah. and that's what he is, right. and do not try to change I like him. It, and you Mama just wonder, Florio. something like that, oh, yeah, you, you, do not mess. Right. Do not mess. Uh, no, no, no. I no, know. no, no. I'm a little feisty, and it all comes, all of it. 
comes from her. Anyway, um, I remember being afraid, like, am I next? And I don't know how my mom knew about it. Maybe I said something at home, but she made it very clear. Do not do not change him from left-handed. All right, uh, I, you didn't pick a head coach, so I'll go Robert Sala because he's the guy with the Jets that's going to be responsible for making this thing work. Here we are now, big expectations, even though that schedule, whew, whew, maybe you should temper the expectations a little bit, but you got Aaron Rodgers, you got a great defense. He's the guy that's got to pull it all together every week. He's got to preside over this team that has unrealistically high expectations because if it doesn't work, it's not going to be Aaron Rodgers' fault. Whose fault is it going to be if it doesn't work? It's all going to fall on the coach. He's on the high wire without a net, and it's up to him to make it all as successful as it can be. And it's still... I still think that it's going to be hard for them to even get to the playoffs. We talked about how difficult their schedule is. Half the half the slate against the AFC West and the NFC East, it may be one team and one team only out of that division. And if they don't make the playoffs, Chris, it's going to be regarded as a complete and total failure because they have Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. This is a hell of an all-in bet that they've made. And the guy who's going to have to pay the price... I fear if it doesn't work is the head coach. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I I don't think you're you're wrong in that. And and again, too, I think with the Aaron Rodgers, yeah, he's there. And then, you know, as we've discussed a lot of times, the the roster is it's loaded. They're loaded. So those are two things that are going to put pressure on a on a coach. The fans are going to look at it. You know, other teams who play the Jets are going to go, damn, that's a good team, and they're going to say that to the media. The media is going to know, hey. Team, other teams, other coaches, they look at the Jets and go, whoa, they got talent across the board. Yeah, that puts more pressure on the head coach to have results, to be relative, you know, whatever it is there. So uh, it's a big year, and there's a lot to deal with there. You're right. And, uh, you know, between the quarterback situation and how that was, I think, mishandled last year a little bit, that probably puts a little bit more of a, a bullseye or microscope on Robert Sala in this situation. We going to go and do the third round of this draft right now, or are we going to go Let's to a do break? It. Do it. It's so weird. No, we're going to do it. We this, usually this, do the draft at the end that I'm like, I don't I'm like usually like, hey, I like to have my little break in between here to figure out who I want to take in round three. All right. But if we're going like most important non QB, right? And damn, there's a lot of good players in the AFCs. Holy crap, Ola, Batman. But this one, I, I just look at this like Von Miller is who I'm going to throw out there because his health is crucial to how good the Bills can be. Like we saw last year, he was finally you know, a little bit like that guy we just talked about who could go above and beyond the playbook. Oh, it's a big moment. Here comes Vaughn around the edge. Sack. Oh, there goes Mahomes trying to escape the pocket in a big moment, laying the fourth. Oh, Vaughn Miller's there. He had to throw it away. Interception. Boom. You know? So, yeah, his health is, is crucial just to – how awesome and how relevant and where they can seed themselves in the AFC and, and how quickly he can get back to top, you know, tip-top form there. You know, you're absolutely right with that. That was the big all-in move they made last year. They were going to use him sparingly for health reasons. He suffers that torn ACL, I believe it was in Detroit, the Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving game. Thanksgiving, it was Thanksgiving. They didn't yeah, the think Thanksgiving it was torn, game in remember? Detroit. And yeah. They didn't think it was a big deal. We'd be back in a few weeks, and the next thing you know, he has the full-blown ACL repair. I'm going back to the Dolphins, and I was tempted to go – wait, no. No, I'm not going to the Dolphins. I'm going to the Jets. I was tempted to go Jalen Ramsey, the new arrival in Miami. But, I mean, I really don't, I don't know how much importance he has because he's the new guy. How much expectation is going to be on him? How much of the burden is on him? I'm going to go Quinn and Williams with mm, the Jets. That's a good one. 
I'm going back-to-back Jets because okay. he doesn't have the contract. they got to get that worked out. One of the reasons their defense was so good last year was because of him. If he, for whatever reason, isn't what he was last year, that puts more pressure on the defense, which puts more pressure on the offense. And even though they didn't make it to the playoffs last year, they were better as a team. They could take a step back there if Williams isn't as effective as he was last year. So he's yeah. a critical piece. They got to get that deal done. Got to get him in the fold and have him in a position to have the kind of year he had last year where he's effing up the play and making it easier for the rest of the defense to do what they have to do. I think it's a good choice. I thought about taking him uh, in the last round, this last pick too, Mike. I, I, I'm, I'm with you there. You said it all, right? First off, he's special. And he's one of those guys on their defense in their front seven where you go, no, he can ruin a game. He can have to play up. You know, he plays a crucial position to that defensive scheme. You know, so that, that, there's so many things that are, are why Quinn and Williams is important to the Jets and their success. And of course, the contract situation adds to all that intrigue and and what's what's he going to be when he gets back out there. So uh, good pick by you. There's a a lot of high-stakes poker in the AFC East this year, especially when you consider there may only be one playoff berth. You've got the Bills. Things are a little a little tense. The Jets with this move with Rodgers, high expectations. The Patriots, based on the things that Robert Kraft, the owner of the team, said at the last owner's meetings, are getting together again, by the way, this week in Minneapolis. But in Arizona, the stuff he said, you read between the lines, maybe the seat's getting a little hot for Bill Belichick. The only guy that's safe is the dude who was at the Heat-Celtics game last night getting the crowd fired up, Mike McDaniel. He's, he's good to go. Uh, he's he, Although he's, yeah. he's working for the one owner that will fire anybody anytime they want, and there really weren't many fans there when he was trying to get the crowd fired up. But the Heat won. Yeah. He's the good luck charm. He's the good luck you know, charm. We didn't talk about basketball. I was going to bring it up. I was looking forward to a Celtics-Lakers renewal. I remember that was like the – the you know the series to watch in the eighties, yeah. and I thought maybe they were careening for another one. Right. But it's, it looks like it's going to be the Nuggets and the Heat. It's going to happen. It, it, it is. It's it's pretty impressive. I mean, it would have been cool for TV Lakers Celtics. Uh, I'm with you. You know, Lakers Heat would have been cool as well. But there's some new fresh blood here. Heat. You know, Nikola Jokic. Jokic, uh, excuse me, for Denver. He's. I mean, he's the best player in the sport. And he's carrying that team, so it's cool. And, and as a New Yorker, I'm kind of sick of seeing Boston in the championship games and sports, so I'm not really shedding a tear that they're down 3-0 right now. <laughs> we, got, we got a West Virginia guy running that team, though, Joe Mazzulla, who kind of oh, fell right. into it at the beginning of the season. It, it's not ending well. It's the kind of thing where in, in basketball more than other sports, when you see a guy like flame out in the postseason, he loses his job. He's just gone. Oh, by the I way. know. Uh, Look at this. Yeah, there we go. On our way out. That's talent. Left-handed scissors. <laughs> left-handed scissors. We need left-handed <laughs> scissors. All right. Uh, we'll talk about another coach on the hot seat when PFT Live continues right after this. Drafting's not our problem. Coaching is. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to get everybody. <laughs> Oh, and it's the walk-off for Jerry. That's it. That's it for me. And look, we know that every joke has a little kernel of truth in it. That's what makes it funny. Drafting's not our problem. Coaching is. Slap him on the arm. Get up and leave. That's a message. Oh, that's a message to Mike McCarthy. And look, if, if we're going to map out the guys on the hot seat this year, Chris, he's at the top. He, he's, he's responsible for the offense now. Kellen Moore's out. He's in. It's kind of like... 
it's kind of like he's been agitating for the past couple of years. Well, if I was just in charge of this, it would be different. If I could do this, it would be different. And I think that Jones has said, fine, go ahead. It's all you. And if it doesn't work, it's all you. Is, is it like, is it fair that he's on the hot seat? I'm just, you know, I'm posing a question here just for you and I, two guys that are big sports fans that watch football. It is a weird one. You know, I know it's not perfect, but I'm like, damn, they did go 12 and five the last two years, didn't they? Right. I mean, they are one of the teams we talk about as being like one of the better teams in the NFC. That That's where I guess I'm a little bit, you know, torn with that conversation to a degree. Uh, I don't know, Mike. What do, what do you think? Well, I think the problem is when you have an owner who believes the team is better than where you've taken it. And when you've lost to the same team in the postseason each of the last two years with with. Yeah. A final play yeah, both years. Right. One, one, horribly executed. Good idea. Horribly executed. Not planned. Not coached. With no recognition given to the fact that the man who has to place the ball and touch it can't teleport through your quarterback and your center and the clock is ticking. Those are things that a detail-oriented coach would have thought about and would have incorporated into the planning for the use of that play, that quarterback draw from Dak Prescott aimed at giving the Cowboys a shot at the end zone and the victory over the 49ers in the wild card round last year. This year, they have a chance for a Hail Mary. They try this Stanford band play where for Ezekiel Elliott's final play ever with the Cowboys, he gets blown up, sir, playing backup center. The play went nowhere. Cavante Turpin gets the quick pass and is flattened immediately. I don't know what the hell that was going to be, although C.D. Lamb did, did have some fun with us at the Super Bowl. He was great. I, I said, what were you guys trying to do? He said, what did you want? I said, a touchdown. Well, that's what we were trying to do. <laughs> yeah, fine. But you could have fooled me. That's what I should have said. You could have fooled me that you were trying to score a touchdown. So that's on McCarthy. Both exits. One play. Not that it was a high probability it was going to work, but it just kind of – makes you wonder what deeper flaws do we have here if this is what we trot out with our season on the line what else is kind of going wrong that maybe we should take a look at so I think it is fair these are the Cowboys and we know you take that job you know you know you're operating in a high profile setting and there's limited margin for error and if it goes wrong it's not going to be the GM's fault because the GM is the owner of the team. No, I know, but that's why I just don't. I don't know if that screams fair to me, right? Even the things you said. And don't take that job. I know. Then I, don't take I, that job. I get it. Well, it's hard. There's only a few out there, right? It, it's hard. What you, this is the things where I go, you know, between what you said again, I'm not sure if it's fair. Where was he? Was he forced with Kellen Moore as his offensive coordinator, right? You know, there, there's some things there, too, because of that and the ownership and the situation you're talking about where I go, I think head coaches can be handcuffed a little bit there, too, to where, like, yeah, the owner just sits back and lets everybody crap on the coach. And it's like, no, you know, some of that crap should be on you. you, you you're the reason. It's not, it's not the coach. So, I like, yes, there's some issues with Mike McCarthy. It's not perfect. I just, you know, I don't know. In my heart of hearts, yeah, I question whether he should be on the hot seat there. There's still a lot to respect in what they're doing. And, you know, to that point, none of us thought they were going to beat the 49ers. I didn't think they were going to go into San Francisco and win that game, right? And, yeah, that play in, in two years ago against the 49ers, that wasn't good. You're right. But, damn, also they, they had to throw a touchdown pass the next play, too. People, you know, we sometimes we forget, like, we think they were just going to automatically score. 
So I don't know. That's where I defend him. I know the things you said are real, and I'm, I'm with you. I'm just talking here as a, a sports fan and a guy that follows the sport, and I do get sick of the piling on of McCarthy at times by everybody. The Kellen Moore angle is fascinating because I right. feel like Jerry Jones has been trying to find another Tom Landry. You know, Jason Garrett was going to be the next Tom Landry. Right. He was patient, and he went through some years that were not as good as the Cowboys would have wanted, thinking that he's going to unlock a, a guy who becomes one of the best coaches in football. Then you've got Kellen Moore, I think a guy that – they're trying to develop. They were, they were trying to develop the same yeah. way, get him young, have him there 30 years, part of Jerry Jones' legacy. I hired the coach who was here for three decades or longer, and now they've given up on that. But I think that if McCarthy made that case and won that argument that it's time to move on from Kellen Moore and here's why, here's why, here's why, okay, fine, Mike, you're in charge now. And everything that goes along with it, you're in charge. If it goes well, bravo. If it doesn't, See you later. So I think part of it is he recognizes. You kind of force it to a conclusion. It's either going to go great or it's not. And if it doesn't, then that's when the hot seat becomes an exit Yeah, Mike McCarthy. But, well, go ahead and take a break. Well, I just want me to say else. one more thing. One more thing. Else. Just because I just want to go, yeah, I mean, you, you said all the right things there. And you're right. I mean, you are. But what I would say to the Jones family or anybody, just, you know, be be careful there. I mean, you you do have one of the three best teams in the NFC. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, some of the things I look at with those teams, I go, well, wait, the team and the things that we question, right, are more on the Joneses. The, the Dallas Cowboys are not as good as the Eagles on paper. Their roster is not there. It's, it's not the same. Their roster is not as good as the 49ers. They're close, but they're not as good, right? So – that to me, I'm going to go. No, that that's a Jones problem. That ain't a Mike McCarthy problem there too, and that's where I go. I don't know what we expect. I mean, none of us thought they could beat the Eagles or the 49ers down the stretch last year. We knew they were in the class with them, but not beat them. And that's where I just say, be careful what you wish for a little bit. Well, that's right. Who are you going to replace him exactly, with? Sean Payton's right. in Denver now. Right, that was the right. guy that we thought for right. years Jerry Jones was eventually going to get. This was his chance, and he didn't do it. Let's take a break. A little what's more likely to be played when this Monday edition of PFD Live continues right after this. The New York Giants planning to wear the legacy uniforms again. Throwback to the 80s, the days of a guy known as Phil Sims, also Lawrence Taylor. The only good thing about being Phil Sims in the 80s, he didn't have to worry about Lawrence Taylor hitting him. He had to worry about all the other guys. There's a little tiki barber, high and tight, running it into the end zone. Uh, Daniel Jones last year wearing those uniforms. I know you love those. I've got that Lawrence Taylor jersey from uh, birthday a couple years ago that you hooked up with some profanity on there. Chris. Yeah, that's Milton. right. That's the giant way. That's the 1986 Giants. I love it. I love that they wear these uniforms twice a year now. It's, it's Of course, yes, it, it means a lot to me. It's, it's in my in my blood growing up, watching my dad and the Giants and all those special football games. I love that helmet with the Giants on it. I think that's where I, it's really special to me. Um, but, yeah, it's cool that they're going to break that out twice a year. I'm, I'm glad. I remember when they ditched the NY for the Giants back in the late 70s. It was just jarring to me because back in those days you didn't see a lot of dramatic changes to uniforms. But it's just there goes the NY, I guess, because they left – New York. Maybe that's why they did it, but uh, it's a great look, and they'll have it twice this year. Okay, what's more likely, Giants in the first 
topic. Surprise 2022 playoff team to stay in the mix this year, Giants or Seahawks? I, I'm going to go with What's the C- like? I'm going to go with the Seahawks here. I am. I you know, I of course you know I love the Giants. I do, but I, I'm more of a believer I think when it all is said and done in one the Seahawk I think talent level on their football team. The Giants are a team where I feel like last year fell the right way to a degree, right? They played some situational football that was incredible, but I'm not sure I'm like bought into their overall talent of their football team. So that's where I think I'll go with the Seahawks and and a close one that way. And the Giants, you know, they got a tough early schedule. It scares me too, Mike. Agreed. Agreed. I'll move on to the next one. NFC West downtrodden team who could surprise this year. L.A. Rams or Arizona Cardinals? What's more likely? Ooh, I'm going to go with the Rams here. I am. You know, again, not that I really have tremendous belief in either, but where the Cardinals are right now, the status of Kyler Murray, I'm going to go with at least a, a McVay, who I know is, his teams always play tough and are battle-tested, and a Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald. I'm going to pick them and that culture over the Cardinals right now. That's for sure. Cardinals currently the underdog in every single game to be played by them this year. I'll take the Rams, although I don't have a lot of faith in them either. What's more likely, the 49ers spend all year cycling through three quarterbacks or their 2023 quarterback situation is free from drama? I, I, uh, I'm, I mean, if you go with the 49ers, I think the safe thing is to say they're always cycling through quarterbacks. And I... I I mean, it doesn't seem like Brock Purdy. I don't get the feeling that anybody's expecting him to start week one, you know, hopefully. So I just think from the get-go there, it's going to start a cycling. where We're going to have Sam Darnold early in the year. And then, you know, how awesome does he play? Does he play awesome when they let him stay out there? Does he not play that great and Brock Purdy takes over? What happens with that whole situation? So I think I'm going to go with that there, Mike. I'm starting to think that new stadium is built like on some old cemetery that they've desecrated <laughs> there cursed, right? <laughs> yeah. so it's, I mean, I don't know yeah. what it is with the 49ers, but uh, our, uh, and, and, and by the way, they're expected to give Super Bowl 60 to the Yeah, stadium. we'll be there. NBC the Super Bowl. Cemetery. That's right. Santa Clara, not San Francisco. Last one. What's more likely, the Texans sneak into the playoffs or finish with a bottom three record again? I'm bottom three record. Uh, you know, I think things are on the up and up there in Houston, but I can't sit there and look at it and go, oh, yeah, they're they're a team that I look at to go, ooh, they might sneak into the playoffs. I don't see that. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the bottom three record again. Look at the AFC. The first team, I think, that anybody that pays any attention to football would say no playoffs for you, the first team out would be the Texans. And I don't know, the other 15 – I think the other 15 all have a chance. I mean, I hadn't thought about that, but I really do. There isn't another team. Maybe the Raiders, I would say no chance, but uh, we're going to do that tomorrow. Let's go ahead and take a break. We'll have more Monday PFT Live for you right after this. We close the show with the news from Friday. The NFL lost one of the all-time great players, Jim Brown, at the age of 87. He truly was the GOAT. He truly was the most skilled player relative to those around him. When you watch the highlights, it's not man among boys. It's God among men. Unstoppable. Averaged over five yards per carry every carry of his career. Averaged over 100 rushing yards per game every game of his career. I wish I had been around 
to see him play. It yeah. was just hushed tones and reverence in the 70s when anyone would mention Jim Brown. Right. No, you're right about that. I mean, he's the first legend I learned of the sport. My dad said it right this week, and we were talking. He's the first physical anomaly in the NFL, right, Mike? The first guy that we were like, wait, wait, he's doing what? And we none of us can do this. What? He? There's 10 of us trying to tackle him. We still can't tackle him, right? That's where he's that first guy. And then, of course, all the things he did off the field, uh, RIP Jim Brown, legend. Walked away after nine years Woo! at the height of his career and became an actor and did plenty of other things. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow. See ya.